Let us worship God. first reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, the 16th chapter, beginning with the 19th verse. In preparation to hear these words, let us pray. Holy God, we give you thanks for these ancient words and for the lives of those who have carried them down throughout the ages. We ask that you would open our hearts and minds this morning that your fresh word might fall upon us this day. Amen. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who longed to satisfy his hunger with what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs would come and lick his sores. The poor man died and was carried away by the angels to be with Abraham. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was being tormented, he looked up and saw Abraham from far away with Lazarus by his side. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. 
Thanks be to God. The reading from Luke continues. He, being the rich man, called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in agony in these flames. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your lifetime you received your good things and Lazarus in like manner evil things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. Besides all this, between you and us is a great chasm that has been fixed, so that you might not pass from here, even though you wish to do so. And no one can cross from there to us. He said then, Father, I beg you to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers. 
that he may warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. They should listen to them. He said, no, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to them, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. Here ends the reading. So this is one of those passages where we go, ouch, ouch. Do we say thanks be to God at the end of that reading? Really? Oof, right? This is in our Gospels, what we call good news. Again, ouch. This reading has been used in many ways throughout the years. I'm sure you are familiar with this story. It gets read uh, often in our lectionary. When I was a child in a more fundamentalist Baptist um, setting, this was used often to help us understand that there is a heaven and there is a hell, and that hell is an awful place, and you really don't want to go there. So don't be like the rich man, right? My upbringing was much about fear, and so this was a great passage to help shame us into, scare us into being saved. That is not a reading that I espouse anymore. Not that I ever really espoused it, but it was one that was around me as I was growing up. In that setting, though, it also was an encouragement for us to care for neighbor. This is a great example of how someone missed that opportunity to do so. Often I have heard this used as a way to rebuke wealth in general. Wealth is a bad thing. Being rich is a bad thing. This rich person is a really bad person. It's a rebuke of ignoring the needs of others. Well, this is a story that Jesus is telling. It's in quotes. It's a parable. So it isn't that Jesus is, dis- is describing something literally, which is somehow, sometimes how it is taken. Rather, he is speaking in the tradition of the prophets, who, when speaking to people in power, can't really talk to them directly and say, you know you're doing this thing wrong because they will be put to death or they will be ignored, they will be shunned and put aside, and their words will have no power. Instead, what they do is they tell a story. Our prophets, both in the Old Testament and Jesus in that same tradition, tell a story where the person who's listening can go, oh, that's not right. That person shouldn't do it that way. That person should be condemned for what they're doing. And only after having said that, does the person go, oh, wow, I'm doing that. I'm the one who should be condemned. This happened to King David. This happened to several different kings in the Old Testament, and it's happening here. Jesus is lifting up this story to say, look at this bad example of how to be a person in God's kingdom. So that we who hear it might go, how? How is that convicting me? How am I acting like the rich man? So Jesus isn't really saying that the rich man, because he is rich, is just an awful person. And that Lazarus was supposed to to suffer in this life so that Lazarus could have a great afterlife. 
that's, that's not the point of Jesus' story here. Jesus is helping us to see how things get in the way of us being connected. Rich man inside, enjoying his life that the riches bring, not even seeing Lazarus sitting outside who is really suffering. Where is that connection that God is calling us to? We in the United States and in the West have this idea of of self-sufficiency, the self-made person, the person who can take everything and, and support themselves through it. Money is often the thing that allows us to have that myth. Money can make us feel secure. Money can make us feel like we have power. Money can make us feel like we can fix whatever comes our way and that we don't need other people to help us with that. That's where wealth is a problem. When wealth comes along and builds a wall around us, when it makes us feel like we don't need anyone else, not even God, that's when wealth is a problem. That's when being rich is to be condemned. It's easy when we are rich, maybe, maybe not. Even rich people compare themselves against other rich people and feel like they don't have enough. There was a study that was done to say, when do people feel like they have enough? And sadly, the study showed that we never do. We're always comparing ourselves with somebody else, saying, I need more. I don't have enough. So money doesn't fix everything, but we think it will. We can hire out if something goes wrong. We can buy something new if it breaks. If something's missing, we can just send out for it. And, and now, with the, with the apps that we have, it comes in the next 10 minutes if we want it to. So we really don't think about needing others or needing to be connected. Because we just, we can take care of things. A phrase that I heard in, in seminary that has just stuck with me because it is so it just is so apt for so many times in our lives. It's called functional atheism. Perhaps you've heard me talk about it before because it's a thing I talk about quite a bit. Functional atheism is when I profess that I believe in God, I profess that I have faith in God, and yet I rely on myself only to make sure that my life is good. I'm saying one thing, but I'm acting in a completely different way. This is what's happening in our story with the rich man. He professes to be a member of God's community, and yet he's not relying on the community, and he's not giving back to the community in the way that God would have him do. So basically, he's a functional atheist because he doesn't really believe in God, he hasn't really put his faith in God. He's put his faith in himself and what he can do for himself and what his wealth can do for him. I, as a single person living on my own, have learned over the years to care for myself, to take care of myself, to make sure that things are in place so that I can be taken care of should, I, should anything happen. It's hard for me to reach out 
to others, to say, you know, I could use a little help. Even when people say, you know, I could help you with that, I'm like, eh, I'm okay, thanks. I don't need it, I'm good. Me not reaching out to others, me refusing the help of others, is me saying, no, God, I don't need your help, thanks, I got it, right? Because God brings these people around us to say, God has us, God is supporting us, God is supplying for our needs. And when I say no, I'm, I'm basically saying no to God. I don't think of it that way, obviously, or else I would say yes right away. But it's what I'm doing, because God supplies for us through others. A colleague of mine found out last summer that she was um, dying from a cancer that she had not known that she had. And as she was coming towards the end of her life, she sat with me, I sat with her, and we were discussing just being single people together. And she was telling me how difficult it was, even in that part of her life, to open up and let people do things for her. She knew she needed to have other people do things for her. And yet, she was in her 60s. She'd had all of her adult life to learn how to do things for herself. It was very hard for her to open up and say yes, or to even say, I need help. She found a way to do it, and she found a way to reconcile that with her own being and to, reconcile, to recognize the ways in which God was bringing people around her to help her. But it was a struggle. I worked with a, a large church as a deacon, and it was a quite wealthy church. And I was always surprised and saddened that as a deacon, it was hard for me to get people to give me prayer requests. Because in that setting, that looked too vulnerable. To say that you had anything you needed prayer for, said that you were weak somehow, that you didn't have it all together, and that you needed prayer. That was so sad to me. This is a way that wealth gets in the way of us understanding that God wants to bring help to us, wants to support us. Functional atheism. The rich man was there. We're there more often than we might want to think about. We keep God and others at arm's length. So our parable this morning is a call to us to think about being interconnected, to think about the ways that our triune God, who is interconnected, who is in this community of loving, giving, giving and taking, in this loving community of mutuality, in this loving community that is all about vulnerability with one another. We worship a God that is that. And that God invites us into that exact same space. How do we find community where we can be in mutuality with one another, giving and taking equally, supporting one another, being vulnerable with one another, loving each other? This is what God wants for God's beloved community, not separation of somebody inside having all and more than they need and somebody outside not. God wants us to break down these barriers that get in our way of having such community. Wealth is one, definitely. 
but so is class or gender or sexuality or who one loves or, or, or. There are so many barriers that we put up to keep us from being truly in community with one another. And Jesus's parable here is that story that is meant to convict us where we say, oh, that's the barrier I'm putting up. That's how I'm keeping others close, but not quite, right? They're here, but don't get any closer, please. It's missed connections. The rich man had an opportunity to connect with Lazarus and did not because Lazarus had no power to do the connecting here. It was all about the rich man making the effort to connect, and he missed that opportunity. When we put up barriers, we miss all kinds of opportunities that God is offering us for connection. When we miss such connections, we are missing an opportunity to see God in the other. How is God revealing God's self to us through that other person? What do we learn about God when we get to know somebody else and see how God's spark of the divine shows up in them? What does that tell us about God's good creation? What does that tell us about how God is acting in this world? What does that tell us about what God wants God's beloved realm to look like? We miss all of that when we keep somebody at arm's length. When we miss such connections, we also miss the opportunity to learn more about how God is in making us to be more like God. And we miss our chance to see what humanity is all about. And we miss the opportunity to be blessed by God. God is always looking for opportunities to come to us, to bless us, to support us, to give us what we need. And when we miss connections with other people, we miss such opportunities. Jesus' parable this morning is calling us to open our eyes to see where God is inviting us into such community. How is God inviting us to be connected both to God and to our neighbor? What does that require of us to let go? What do we let go of so that we can welcome with open arms those opportunities to be in community with one another? God, who is loving community, invites us to be a part of that loving community and to then welcome others as well into our own welcoming community. How will we look for those opportunities this week? How will we see where God is calling us to break down walls that have kept us from such community? Amen.
as we continue now with the prayer chants, you are invited in the silence of your hearts to offer your prayers of intercession and supplication, those prayers for the world, for those you love, and for yourself to be given to God.
God, you have fed us in word, in silence, in song, and in community. And for that, we give you our thanks and our praise. Amen. As we go forth from this place this morning, I invite you to look for the spark of the divine in the other and let others see the spark of the divine in you. And may the grace of God who created you in love the peace of Christ who teaches it is possible to be loved, and the power of the Spirit who calls you ever forward into new experiences of love be and abide with you this day, this week, and evermore. Amen. Amen.